This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, my name is Scott Pinyard, and I'm the head coach of This Naked Mind, and I'm here for this month's coaching podcast. So we've been talking a lot about expectations this month, and I just wanted to tell a story up top of how expectations played into my journey. Um, it's uh, how uh, you know a certain expectation really caused me a lot of pain and suffering and angst that I didn't need to have. So uh, back when I was drinking, I became convinced that um, I had liver disease. And I had just expected it, right? So I went online and I looked up how long do you have to drink to have liver disease and what does this mean? And you know, how old am I and what's going on? And you know, I do all of this research and then all of a sudden uh, I'm like, yep, that's it, I have it. Uh, now, mind you, what was missing from that entire span was uh, me actually going to a doctor and getting blood work done and having a doctor help me in, uh, in, interpret those results. Um, and so when I did this, when I set this expectation in my mind, I set a series of events in, in process that I had to deal with for a long time. Right, so I started uh, worrying about liver disease and then every little pain in my right side, I was like, mm, there it is, right? And I reinforced this expectation. But what really got me was when I started going online and looking at what the signs and symptoms were, right? I was too scared to go to a doctor and why would I need to anyway? Because I know I have it. Uh, I'm just gonna go look online for <laughs> symptoms of it um, and I'm going to confirm what I already know. This is something called confirmation bias. All humans are susceptible to it. It happens in all different realms of human life. Uh, you know, a great place, that, a great example is, is uh, politics, right? You think about, all right, I view the world this way. This is where I'm going to get my news from. This website is telling me what I already know, right? It's confirming the biases that I have. So anyway, I would Google this stuff and I would look and I would see, all right, so these are the different symptoms. And guess what was happening as I was reading the symptoms? I was saying, ah, no, not that one. Oop, I have that one. Um, and maybe if I didn't have one, I'd notice a few days later that I'd start to have one, I set myself up to expect that I had this problem. I set myself up to expect these things that I was reading on the, on the websites. And not only that, but I would look at the information I would find online and I would, uh, I would ignore the stuff that says, well, you know, not everyone gets it. Right. I would ignore that or I would ignore the stories of the people who, you know, went on and drank for much longer than I did and ended up OK. Right. I would ignore that. Um, I only focused on the things that I thought were telling me what I already expected to be the case. Um, and so what did this do to me? It caused massive anxiety. I, I have had so many sleepless nights and so much internal turmoil because of this. Um, it was just this massive, gigantic waste of human time <laughs> and human thought. Um, you know, it turns out I actually quit drinking and do get a blood test and lo, lo and behold, I don't have liver disease, uh, but I convinced myself that I did. So this is the power of expectation. We can do this to ourselves on so many different levels. And I have a few questions here I want to answer. I pulled some from our question bank that kind of match up with, uh, with what we've been discussing. And so I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. 
First uh, question is this, when working to become alcohol-free or staying alcohol-free, does it make a difference if you focus on the negativity of using alcohol or the positivity of not using alcohol? Here's an example. The negativity of using alcohol would be, if I drink, I'll be hungover and I don't wanna be hungover. If I drink, I'll spend a bunch of money and I don't wanna spend a bunch of money versus the positivity of being alcohol-free, which is if I don't drink, I'll be so much more aware, right? If I don't drink, I'll be saving money. So the question really is, which one should we use, right? Should we focus solely on the positive or solely on the negative? The reality is humans are motivated by both uh, running toward pleasure and running away from pain. So the answer is actually to use both, but not to use either as a cudgel. A big thing that we really try to focus on at This Naked Mind is positivity and optimism. And so our default is to have you focus on that vision, right? What is your vision of being alcohol-free? What does your life look like? What does a typical day look like? What does a vacation look like? What does a romantic dinner out look like? How do your relationships improve? How does your work performance improve, right? All of these things we want you to visualize and visualize clearly um, because your brain will start to sort of see what this life is gonna be like and you'll start to feel what this life is gonna be like. Um, and that's gonna make a massive difference when you're faced with a challenge to drink. Now, the other side of the coin is effective um, and particularly how much of one or the other is really up to your own personal style. Um, the other side of the coin of saying, man, I really, I really, you know, I'm struggling today. I could really use a beer. Um, but man, I'm just going to have that headache in the morning. That's also okay, right? To have that sort of motivation of saying, of associating alcohol with pain, of associating alcohol with adversity or something you don't want to go through um, is completely okay. So the answer to this question is actually both. But I mean really both when I say that. And my preference is to have people focus more on the positive, right? Focus more on that vision. Focus more on where you're going as opposed to where you've been. Focus more on that end point um, um, than in the turns you don't want to take along the way. Um, so I, I, you know, when I look at this idea of positive versus negative, one thing that I always come back to is expectation, right? And so if we have this idea of, man, I expect drinking to be negative and I expect not drinking to be positive, we'll be setting ourselves up for success more often. On to the next question. Uh, it's a short one and it's this. How is it that I have such clarity about the physical detriment of drinking, but my mind still tells me I'll feel better with wine on board? The incongruity is astounding. So this also plays into expectation, but in sort of a different way. So what happens as we drink, we are literally rewiring our brains. Um, a story that I like to tell about it or sort of a, a made up story that I like to tell about it is think back to when you had your first drink. Right, and you had this drink, and you know maybe there was some stress in your life, maybe there wasn't, um, but all of a sudden you start feeling better, right? You start feeling more relaxed because alcohol, at first at least, does relax us, um, and so you start to feel better. And uh, maybe you don't drink again for a while, you know. Maybe you know typical story. Maybe you're in high school and you had it one Saturday night, or maybe you overdid it and you didn't feel good. Um, and time goes on, and then you grow up, and then eventually you realize, oh man, I had a hard day at work. Maybe today, maybe a drink will help me feel better. And all of a sudden, ah, yeah, it does, right? Or you think it does. And then you continue to drink. And then suddenly you make the connection, you make the expectation in your brain between I'm stressed out and want to relax and drinking, 
right? And so I'm stressed and I expect that if I have a drink, I will feel better. And what happens over time is it becomes the solution, not just to that acute stress that you might feel from a bad day at the office, um, but it will also be uh, a fight with, with, uh, with a spouse or a partner. Or maybe it's a good thing, right? Maybe you're like, wow, I'm really excited. Let's have a drink to celebrate. You start filling in alcohol as the solution to all of these different things. And when you expect alcohol to be the way that you're going to feel better or the way that you're going to celebrate or the way that you're going to just end every day, um, then that is what you're going to see. So the reason that your brain does this um, is a very simple fact in that alcohol is addictive to humans. Full stop. It's an addictive substance. Just like nicotine, just like opioids, your brain will get addicted to and will crave alcohol over time. That is not a logical process, right? Uh, for any of you who have tried to quit drinking with logic, um, you know it's not easy to do when you are past a certain point because there's a lot more going on there than logic. There's a lot going on there physiologically. There's a lot going on there subconsciously. Um, and that's what needs to be dealt with, uh, first understood, um, and second worked on in order for you to move beyond alcohol. And it does seem incongruous. It absolutely does. It's something Sometimes I remember telling my wife when I was going through this, I feel like there's two different people in my head, right? I feel like there's, there's, there's this side of me that knows the situation. And I know, man, if I don't drink tonight, I can you know, hang out with my wife and I can engage with my kids and I can have a, a great time with uh, you know, watching a movie or reading a book. And then there's this other side of me that says, you don't want to do that. Like, you know you want to have a beer, right? A beer or a scotch is going to make you feel better. A beer or a scotch is going to uh, help you relax. Man, haven't you had a long day? A lot of times I almost pictured it like those old cartoon, you know, angel and devil on on shoulders. Um, and it does feel like two completely different people. And there's a reason for this. And the reason for this is that a lot of our drinking is motivated by beliefs that we have about ourself or the world. Um, and those beliefs are not necessarily conscious beliefs. Those are subconscious beliefs. And so the way that your subconscious activates those beliefs is through triggers and, I, and sort of urges to drink. Um, and so while you might be in your conscious brain, in your logical brain, thinking, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to do this again. There's another side of you that is saying, yeah, uh, you want to, you need to. As a matter of fact, don't you want to feel better? Oh, do you want this to be a difficult day? Then, then don't drink, right? Um, this incongruity is what we deal with directly um, through the tools and programs we have at This Naked Mind, right? That cognitive dissonance, that idea that I have, I'm holding two ideas in my head, the fact that I really want to drink and the fact that I really don't want to drink, um, those ideas cause static. It's noise. It's pressure in your head. Um, and so what we do is we give you the tools to kind of work through that and how to work with those subconscious beliefs and get beyond them so that you will end up being able to make that choice. You have, com you completely have your own power back. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you, you know, if you quit drinking, you might have some trouble sleeping or have some sort of withdrawal symptoms. That's normal depending on how long and how much you've been drinking. But what it does mean is that when you face those things, you're going to face them much more honestly uh, and much in much more of a head, head on sort of position. Um, so yes, I agree. The incongruity is astounding. Uh, next question. 
Uh, how do you get into the habit of journaling and what should I write about and why is it useful? I've tried to get started many times for over 30 years, but it only lasts a couple of days. I don't like writing anything, not emails, not letters, not even posts on Facebook. I'm never happy with what I write and spend a long time trying to think of what to say. I have only written in my journal four times in the last 60 days. Well, First, to talk about expectation with this, um, I never journaled much uh, until later in life. Uh, I just wasn't the sort of person. Actually, I could have written this exact question um, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I easily could have said this. Uh, I had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of emotions. But when I would literally sit down with a pen and like go to put it down, there was just this massive block in my head. And so I told myself, you're not a journaler. You know, I told myself, if you sit down to write about your thoughts and feelings, expect nothing to happen. And so nothing happened, right? Until as I got older and I started to realize, wait a minute, I, I need some sort of outlet. You know, I need some way to express these things I was feeling. Um, and then when I sat down thinking, all right, I have a lot to write about today, right? I have a lot that I need to dive into. Then it would flow. Um, but it took time and it took work. So I want to go over, and for those of you who have been in um, any of our programs with me, you know that I'm huge on journaling. I'm a big, big, big fan of it um, because I think it's so good for so many different reasons. So first, I want to talk about kind of like how, how I recommend structuring things, especially to set out. Um, and then I want to talk about some of the things that, uh, that you said toward the end of the question there, which is, you know, I never know what to write um, and I'm never happy with what to say. So first how to structure it. Um, the very first thing that I recommend people do if they want to get started doing this um, is that they set a specific time every day where the expectation is that they journal. Um, and what does that mean to journal? Well, it's really important to start small, right? When you're starting this, especially if you've had a long time where you've had sort of a block about what to write, starting off small makes a huge amount of sense. Um, so here's what I do every morning. Very first thing I write, three things I'm thankful for, right? Just three things. This doesn't require a lot of brain power. Um, if you're having trouble coming up with those things, literally look around the room and find something that you're thankful for. I have a light right here. I have written more than once. I'm thankful for electricity, right? Um, I'm in, uh, this room is nice and warm right now because I just had a heater running, right? I might write, I'm thankful for heating, right? It doesn't need to be anything massive and deep and meaningful. As a matter of fact, some of these smaller things, some of these things we don't think about can be some of the more profound things um, that we can find ourselves writing when we do gratitude every day. And if you are stuck, I cannot recommend enough asking a kid. Um, man, I ask my son or my daughter what they're thankful for and they give me just some of the most beautiful answers. I asked my daughter uh, a few months ago, uh, what are you thankful for? I actually do gratitude with my kids every day and I asked my daughter, what are you thankful for? And she goes, you know that street light that's across the street from our place? And I said, yeah. They just replaced it with this like like super bright LED. And of course I'm thinking I'm not thankful for that thing. She said, um, I'm really, I'm really grateful for being here when it snows and being able to look out across the street. Like it's really pretty when the snow falls through that light. And I'm just blown away by this, right? I'm blown away because I'm like, she's totally right. 
and I've never noticed it, right? So anyway, that's enough about gratitude. So start with gratitude. Three things you're grateful for, nice and easy. The next thing that I do is I always write three priorities for the day. Now these priorities are no matter what, what I'm gonna get done. Right, uh, so we all have to-do lists, we have jobs, we have families, we have friends, we have communities, we've got a lot of needs and requirements placed on us. Um, and this is about looking at all of those things as well as anything I wanna do for myself and saying, all right, I've got this massive list, but these three things are the priority. And I write those down. That's generally fairly easy to come up with as well. The third thing that I do um, is I read a book every day. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do this. The way that I've chosen to do it, uh, I really like the philosophy of Stoicism. So I read this book called The Daily Stoic, and every day it's like, I mean, I'm not kidding, the 30 second read, tops. Um, it's very easy. I read that and then I write it out in my own hand. And the reason I do that is by reading and then sort of regurgitating, you end up giving yourself a much higher uh, chance or much better chance of remembering it. Um, and so I do those three things every day. That's it. So it's the gratitude list, it's the priorities list, and it's the, um, it's the daily reading. Um, and you know, in terms of different options, some people, you know, if you're religious, there's a there's a whole lot of devotional books. Um, but there's books about positive thinking. There's books about pretty much everything. Um, so if you can find a book that it's like 365 reasons that life is amazing, right? And you can just use that um, and write on that. And I don't expound on it. I literally just I, I treat it as if I read this part in the Daily Stoic, and now I'm telling someone about it, right? Like that's it. And I don't make it any longer. That's my minimum requirement for journaling. And I have plenty of days where that is all I do. Um, but just below those three things, I have an opportunity to sit down and write about how I'm feeling. And like I said, some days I don't have time, right? I feel like I'm moving too quickly. I feel like things are going uh, maybe out of control. I've got a bunch of calls to be on. I've got to travel. I've got to run the kids to school. I've got to do something at the house, whatever it is. Um, you know, I end up really, uh, just crammed for time, but no matter what, I get those three things in, and they don't take a ton of brain power. But other days, I do. You know, other days, I might be feeling something. You know, other days, I might have something to write about. And so I will spend the time to do that. And it's been amazing to me as time has gone on um, because I have that expectation of, hey, this is here if you want it, not an expectation of, I can never do this, right? I don't sit down begrudgingly and say, there's no way I can come up with three things to be grateful for because that's just not true. Um, but it's the same thing with the free writing style part of it. I will go sit down and go ahead and write. And some days I'll write pages. You know, some days I'll have to get multiple cups of coffee because I'm writing so much. And other days I write nothing. Um, so that's a good template to follow to begin with. And again, feel free to like take any of this or, you know, you know, leave some of it, not take any of it. But if you have simple things like the gratitude, the priorities and some sort of, you know, whether it's a devotional or just like a daily thought sort of calendar. I know there's a lot of calendars that have that. Um, go ahead and try that. And as a start, just to get used to every day, all right, the expectation is that every day I sit down at my desk and I do these three things and then I go about my day. Um, and that's all you have to do. And you'll be surprised what'll happen over time. Over time, you'll get done with the third thing and then you'll go, man, you know, I'm kind of feeling da 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 da, -da. And before you know it, you're off and running. Um, so there's that. Now, when it comes to feeling awkward about writing or not really knowing what to say, one thing, 
that's been really, really helpful for me um, is that I use different methods of journaling. Um, I don't just write on paper. Uh, for some people, that's enough. For me, it's really not. Um, I process things verbally. Uh, I, I, writing them out or typing them out certainly helps organize my thoughts, but when I have the biggest breakthroughs, when I have the, the, the realizations that have really moved me forward in life, I find that it's in the middle of a conversation. It's while my mouth is running. <laughs> so um, I will actually record myself. Um, you know, I used to have about a half an hour drive to work. And so, um, you know, I would get in my truck. I would, you know, get the heat on, get everything all set. I would put my phone on my holder and I would hit record on the video camera and I would just talk on my way to work. And it, it could be anything, you know, and, and I go over these sometimes and I see them like sometimes it's um, here's some ideas for work or here's some ideas of, of what I might want to do on on uh, 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 on the weekend. Um, other times it might be, you know, I was really upset about this and here is why. And I regularly would spend that entire 30 minutes just talking. And when I got to the end, not only did I feel better because I'd unburdened some of that, right? I had let some of that out, um, but I also really started to uh, sort things out. Right? I also realized that some of these problems I was having, I was actually working them through while I was on the video. And the best part was there was a record of it. Um, so my point in telling you all this is don't be afraid to try out different medium. If sitting down and writing isn't cutting it for you, don't make yourself sit down and write. Right? You can always just record your voice if you want. You can sit in front of your computer like I'm doing right now and just record a video. Um, any way that you can get to a regular reflection is going to be what's really helpful. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. Hopefully some of those ideas will, uh, will work for you. Uh, all right. I think, uh, yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, so uh, the question is this. I have found that as I am going through the course, I have recently had some days where I feel free from thinking about alcohol. On these days, I do not crave the alcohol and I breeze by liquor stores on my way home from work. I notice that I don't want to drink and even question it in my own head, but the desire just isn't there. I think to myself on those days, wow, maybe I have had mindset shift I've been trying for. But then the next day, I feel back in the prison of my mind, feeling the need to drink and subsequently drinking. I'm wondering if anyone has had a similar experience or if this seems normal. Um, so by way of clarification first, the mindset shift um, is what we call the sort of thinking changes that happen as we actively work on our subconscious brain, as we use the tools that we teach you at This Naked Mind to change the way we view alcohol, ourselves, and the world. Um, as we do this work, what happens over time is there's a shift, and this question was a perfect example of that, and it's one of the examples I hear the most often, is, you know, the, the sort of version of, man, you know, I went to the grocery store, and I didn't even go down the wine aisle, and it wasn't until I, you know, checked out and I got my bags in my trunk that I realized I didn't even think of wine. Right, that's, that's the change, right? That's the beginnings of the mindset shift. Um, and so to get back to the question, yes, this is normal. Um, I don't like that word. We all have our own path here, but uh, when it comes to how does this process work and how do we know that things are going in the right direction, how do we know that things are um, helpful um, and that we're getting closer and closer to being alcohol-free, um, it is when we start having these sort of thoughts, but they don't necessarily always stay around, right? Some people, especially when they're first starting, you might have good days and you might have bad days and that's completely fine. Um, and to tie all this back to expectation, to have an expectation that you're gonna wake up one day and just be like, that's it, I'm done. Um, 
that happens. It's called spontaneous sobriety, but don't expect it, right? Because it doesn't happen to everyone all the time. Instead, what I recommend when it comes to this is be very grateful for those days. If you're starting to experience the mindset shift, if you have things like driving by liquor stores um, and you have the thought, man, you really don't want to drink? No, I don't. Jump up and down, right? Give yourself a pat on the back. Give yourself a hug because you deserve it because this is change. But you know, if the next day, the very next day is a negative day and you drink again, understand that this is how the process goes. So I want you to have an expectation that this is a process. I want you to have an expectation that this isn't an overnight thing. One thing I'm really fond of saying is that none of us got to where we are with drinking overnight. And so to have some expectation that you know, within 14 days or 30 days or even six months, like we're gonna have it all figured out and it's gonna be completely better. Um, it's just not fair to us. Maybe we will in 30 days, maybe we will in six months, um, but having that expectation just fuels you to feel even lower when, uh, when you have a bad day. Um, so this is absolutely normal. And let me tell you how, uh, how I see it evolve with people who go through our program. So first, I see people uh, with a question just like this very regularly. Like, man, I had a couple of good days and then I tripped. I had a great weekend or maybe a week away and then it was right back to my old routines. This is 100% normal. This is part of the process. And the key thing about that and what I think is really interesting about this is that you look at that good day, look at what made that day successful, right? What did you do that day? What did you do when you got up? What were, where was your mindset? How were you living your life, right? And the same thing goes for the bad day, right? Where were you when those cravings started? What was going on? Who were you around? What was going through your head, right? What are those thought patterns? Because that gives us an idea of what we need to work on, right? Where are those triggers? Where are those subconscious beliefs that, that we need to get to the bottom of? And the same thing is true on the good days, right? It gives us an idea of what we need more of, of what we want to get more out of, of how to arrange our days and arrange our lives so that we maintain this positive, optimistic outlook. So this is not a straight line, right? Everyone is going to try multiple times. Everyone is going to find, uh, find roadblocks from time to time. But the key thing, um, and these are some of the tools that we help you with in the programs, is that when you do hit that roadblock, you have the ability to figure out how to get around it, right? And even if you drink, you have the ability to figure out how to not drink the next time you see that. Um, and yes, I had a similar experience. You know, I tried to quit drinking for years, and I mean years, like five years, um, and I tortured myself over it. Um, I tried going uh, all negative, right? And I tried looking at pictures of, you know, people my literally not much older than me, you know, like in the hospital because they had liver disease. I tried, um, you know, having pictures of myself and my kids right in front of me, and just reminded me. I had I used to have one in my car. Um, so that when I got in my car and I was like, all right, what am I going to drink? You know, when I get home, I would see that picture and it would remind me that, you know, this family is counting on me not to drink. What this did is it made me miserable by focusing only on the negative. It made me, it made me have a hard time. Instead, when I turned this around, right, when I went through and I read this naked mind, the book, 
what I found was that it was the positive and the negative that helped me. It was the information from both sides that I was able to be like, all right, don't do as much as this, do a lot more of that, that made it better. But yes, you know, having these ups and downs is 100% normal. Everyone who goes through this process and finds their way out of an alcohol use disorder uh, will have these good days and bad days. So you are absolutely not alone. Well, that was it for my questions. Uh, I hope uh, you are all having a fantastic March. Um, and I will be back next month with another coaching podcast. We'll talk to you soon. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.